much. So, Ryan, why don't you come on up, present your ministry, and uh, we'll just do this pretty seamlessly, if that's okay. So, here you should come, and after that, we'll have your thanks and then throw place. So, come on. Thanks. Once again, good evening, folks. Wonderful to see you all here tonight, and I want to say again, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to uh, present our burden for uh, church planting in Toronto, Ontario. Um, we're so pleased to be with you all again. We had a wonderful afternoon with uh, the Bears and uh, getting to know them and, and uh, our kids playing with their kids and so forth. But um, speaking of my kids, I wonder uh, if you've already received one of these prayer cards. I think uh, some of you may have already received two or three of them. So if, if you did, just pass it on to somebody else. That's fine. But um, they're on our back table, and uh, we'd love for you to pick one up if you uh, would like to and uh, pray for us. We'd really appreciate it. Also, anybody here like coffee? Anybody like coffee? I know I talked to you all in the Sunday school class this morning, and, and forgive me if uh, some of this is already, um, you know, you've already been through this, but our mission board has a really neat opportunity to support missions. It's called coffeehelpingmissions.com. We have the cards on our table as well. What you do is you go on the website, coffeehelpingmissions.com, and you order the coffee. It's really good coffee. And 100% of the profits goes to missions. So 50% of the profits goes to support a missionary from biblical ministries worldwide of your choice. And 50% goes to the Maleo Project, which is a, translations, a translation of the scriptures in Indonesian. So it's a really good opportunity for you to be able to um, support missions. Um, I, I want to tell you just a little bit about myself and my, my wife, actually, in the audience there with a few of our children. Um, I'm from northern Maine. I grew up in northern Maine, uh, Rustic County. Um, I grew up in a broken home. My dad was a, a heavy drinker. My parents were divorced when I was very young. And um, by God's grace, he saved me at about the age of 9 or 10, um, through the bus ministry of New Life Baptist Church. And I attribute that all to God's grace because I think back on how I should not be here where I am and uh, apart from God's mercy. My wife, uh, Dawn, she was saved when she was about five or six years old. And she's from Maryland. And uh, we both went to uh, Christian colleges and met at uh, Bob Jones University. We're married in 2004. And uh, then we had our first child, uh, Gracie. And um, then we moved up to northern Maine again to New Life Baptist Church where I was the youth pastor for about three years And um, uh, after we left uh, Bob Jones and finished our studies. So after we were at New Life Baptist Church, we uh, went out west. Dr. Bob III always said, go west, because that's uh, where the needs are. And he was absolute, absolutely correct. We um, contacted Bob Jones University, their, their uh, extension office, and talked to them about what states are needy. And they said, North Dakota has a great need, right along Highway 94. And uh, so we prayed about it, and we did some research, and we found that uh, Dickinson, North Dakota, was where we believe God wanted us to, to move to. So we moved to Dickinson, North Dakota, 
And um, then after we finally made it to North Dakota, we, uh, we went out there to church plant. We, um, we went ahead and church planted in, uh, first of all, Minot. Um, let's see, do we have my presentation? No problem, we got some technical difficulties. Let me come over here. All right. That's fine. In Minot, we helped establish Heritage Baptist Church. Now, the slogan is, why not Minot? Because Friesen is the reason. It's uh, an Air Force base that is in town there. And it's kind of cool how God brought us into Minot. Uh, in northern Maine, we also had an Air Force base uh, linked with our church, Loring Air Force Base. That base was closed. And then eventually, people from our church moved out to other states. And some of those people moved to Minot, North Dakota. So when these folks knew that we were coming out to Dickinson, they said, stop into Minot. We're starting a church, a bunch of Air Force uh, officers, and we want you to come help us. So that was a wonderful opportunity. After a pastor was installed at Heritage Baptist Church, we then uh, worked on uh, planting in Williston, and then also uh, Dickinson, where we actually lived. We uh, are here in this picture at Truth Bible Church, which uh, was in Dickinson, North Dakota, where we actually lived. Now, what we would do is we would travel to Minot and Williston over 100 miles, and uh, it was kind of like uh, being a circuit-riding preacher, you might say. It was really exciting. But um, here we are in Dickinson, meeting in the Holiday Inn Conference Room, and uh, God allowed us to, um, at, at the time, establish a church, though we had to eventually close this church due to the high cost of living, because we were in an oil boom. And the oil boom in North Dakota made price, prices of living there very exorbitant, and we had to eventually uh, close this church very sadly. Uh, it was doing very well. But God had other plans Here's our one-year anniversary of our Truth Bible Church. And um, our theme text is Psalm 96. We have a heart for the nations as a family. We believe that God's heart is also for the nations. Revelation 5.9 tells us that uh, it uses the phrase tongues and languages and peoples and nations. That is what heaven is going to be like. So when I see a church plant that is multicultural, I think of heaven. And that is what God kind of worked in our hearts about concerning this ministry to Toronto. While we were in North Dakota, there were a lot of people from other countries that were coming in, uh, some Indians, uh, Chinese, South Koreans, Africans, and it was through the local university, actually, that we became host parents to some Chinese students, also a student from Azerbaijan, and through hospitality and by uh, having them into our home and basically explaining to them American custom and tradition and holidays, we were able to build redemptive relationships with these Chinese students and South Koreans and even the student from Azerbaijan and use those as platforms and bridges to give the gospel. And um, we still have a wonderful relationship with these students today. So when we joined, 
biblical ministries worldwide, we really were burdened for an international ministry. Here we have our Indian family that came to our church. We also have some teenagers that would come over to our apartment, and we'd have a good time having them over, having pizza, and just getting to know them. The name of the project we're going to be involved with is called the Borealis Project. In other words, we, we uh, wish to see God establish northern lights, like the Aurora Borealis, that will shine around the world. What that looks like is if we build redemptive relationships with people from other countries, and let's say they might have to go back to their country, then we establish that relationship with them, we disciple them, and they can take the gospel back to their country in places that we would never be able to get into. Our mission board is called Biblical Ministries Worldwide. Our philosophy is to plant churches worldwide through evangelism, through discipleship and leadership development, which is actually found in Acts chapter 14, verses 20 to 24. One of the ways of building redemptive relationships is through evangelism. And uh, that's, that's the result that we are seeking as we build these redemptive relationships. In Toronto, for instance, here we are just building relationships with kids from Bangladesh by playing basketball. There are over 1,500 parks in Toronto, so this provides a great opportunity for our family. We have six children, so you can figure that out, and uh, that provides a great opportunity for evangelism. There are so many other ways to evangelize in a city like this. Uh, there, there, there are so many ways, I can't even enumerate them right now, but this is one way that we would be able to evangelize, but the primary way we would like to is by having our neighbors where we're going to live whether it's in a high-rise apartment building or, or an apartment complex, having them into our home so that we can get to know them on a regular basis and start Bible studies and then eventually form into churches. We want to train up these leaders that we disciple so that we missionaries from BMW will not be the pastors long-term, but we will be able to turn the leadership over to these internationals. And one way that we're going to do this in Toronto is through Bible Training Center for Pastors. And this is a good curriculum that is very biblical, very doctrinally sound. And in a, a little while, actually, in Georgia, I'm going to be taking the two-day seminar for this course so that I'll be certified to be able to teach this material. And it goes through different doctrines, different practical aspects of theology and, and so forth. So this will be a great key to training up these leaders, these foreigners, and it's also in 30 different languages. Toronto is made up of uh, 200 distinct ethnicities. 50% uh, of the Torontonians are foreign-born, which means the residents that are there were born, 50% of them, in other countries. The uh, 1040 window is wide open in Toronto, which is the part of the world where most of the people live who've never heard the gospel. And these people from the 1040 window are coming to Toronto. Toronto is actually above uh, Buffalo, New York, so it's right here, if you can see that. Ottawa is five hours to the east. We currently have a team in Ottawa from BMW. We would be the first ones to go to Toronto, and then we would like to, as a mission board, plant churches in all the major cities. Toronto is made up of what's called the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. It's about six million people and growing, 
and uh, the city of Toronto, which is uh, right here where you'd have the Blue Jays Stadium and so forth, is made up of 2.7 million people. And you can imagine, because of that, there are so many false religions in Toronto. 28.2% uh, Catholicism, 24.1% no religious affiliation whatsoever. Uh, you can imagine that uh, Islam is the fastest growing religion at 8% or so. There are over 200 at least Islamic places of worship in the GTA, which provides a great opportunity for redemptive relationships and given the gospel. There are also uh, 50 Hindu temples and Sikh gurdwaras and Hindu places of worship. And there are also, in the Jewish realm, over 100 places of Jewish, Jewish worship. So depending on where God has us live in Toronto will determine um, which of these false religions we'll encounter, but we hope to encounter them all. Uh, this is a wonderful, as I say, a great opportunity. So what can you do? What can you do? Well, I've already mentioned the prayer cards. Will you pray? Grab one of our prayer cards and uh, take it home. Uh, we do have our original collector's item, which is our first prayer card. It was a magnet that goes on your fridge. If you're interested in one of those, I will get you one. I think we still have a whole bunch in our, in our bucket there, but um, a little smaller, a little more compact, easier to go on your fridge, but um, now we have the prayer card, so grab one of each. If you become a daily prayer partner with us, I've already given out a couple of these books. They're called The Prayer War, written by Dave Brown from our, our mission board. And basically this book explains how to pray for missionaries on the front line. And it goes through different uh, strategies on how to do that. Currently we're at 56%, though one church told us today, not the one that was voting, we haven't heard from them yet, I think they're voting tonight, but uh, my home church, New Life Baptist, said, hey, we just uh, upped your support, so we haven't figured it out yet, but um, just went up a little bit more. And um, so we are excited, and we're thanking God for this. Psalm 96, as I said, is our theme text. And I just want to leave you with this, where it says, He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And uh, going back, are you reaching your neighbors? Psalm 96 is about the gospel, the universal call to praise God, to worship God, and to declare his kingship. And the question is, are you reaching your neighbors? And I believe you are. And I'm excited. We're excited to be, become part of your ministry here. And we're so thankful for your interest in us. We are excited to get to know you better. And just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. Normally we have a time of question and answer, but what I think we're going to do is, uh, for the sake of, of all three missionaries and their families and their missions, to be able to have you jot those questions down and keep them uh, with you, and so in the lobby, if it's okay, uh, that they can approach you, and uh, or that you can approach them, I should say, with those particular questions. So we'll, we'll go ahead and, and facilitate it that way, if that's all right. So thank you very much. Really appreciate that. So Bob and Kelly, if you'd like to come now.
good evening. It is so good to be here. And this morning we had a wonderful time in the Sunday School Hour here. And um, some of you have already seen our presentation and heard, heard uh, a lot about our, our ministry already. And I would like to, for those of you who haven't met our family, I'd like to introduce my family. My wife is Kelly, and we've got sitting next to her is Grant. And he's, he'll turn eight at the end of this month. And then right next to him is our oldest is Jackson, and he's 12 years old. And then the best part of the whole, not the best, I'm just kidding, boys. The, one of the most energetic, lively part of our family is in the nursery, and that's Reagan. She's three years old, and she runs the house, basically. But we are missionaries to the German-speaking people. We are sent out by the High Point Baptist Church in Vilsack, Germany, a military church not far from where we're ministering. We've been serving in Germany since 2010, and I grew up there as a military kid, and then later, at, when my father retired from the military, uh, we went back, when I was a teenager, we went back as missionaries. And in 2002, I met Kelly at Bible College, in a, in a small Bible college outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. But um, my wife is from Des Moines, Iowa, and I, uh, I grew up all over the place because I was a military kid. So I, I don't really have a, a, a home, so to speak, but God was working in my heart and as a child, because we spent so much time in Germany on, in, on various military bases, and then later on as you know, in the mission field, God was working on in my heart and used that to speak to my heart for, for missions in, in Germany. I was saved when I was uh, 10 years old. My wife was uh, four years old, right? She was four years old when she trusted Christ. Um, I was saved in a, a military church in Ansbach, Germany. Um, and, and I was saved and baptized there. A few years later, I was called to preach. But then in my teenage years, I started to develop my own plans and my own dreams and desires for, for my life. And I had a desire to be a history teacher. And I went to Bible college for that purpose. And the, in the, during the first semester at college, I knew the, the Lord wanted me to be a missionary to the German-speaking people. And so I surrendered to do that. And when we graduated, um, we started making preparation to go to the field. And in 2010, we, we arrived. And for the first four and a half years, we were s serving faithfully with a German church and uh, helping in a, in a German church, learning a lot of things of German ministry. And it was a very, very wonderful time as we got to know what life is like as a missionary in Germany. We learned the language. And that church where we were serving helped us and several families from that church came with us and we started a church out of that church and that's where we've been serving that, that church was started in 2015 and um, we're, we've, we're currently there in the city of Neutraubling. How many of you like Coke? We got some Coke drinkers? How many of you like Pepsi? Alright, now we don't have to have any fights here, you know, no fights in church but um, Neutraubling there's a company, a bottling company in Neutraubling that produces um, uh, the, the, the majority of bottles that are produced in the world come from this company that's headquartered in Neutraubling, Germany. And um, so anytime you drink a Coke or a Pepsi, you can think of us and pray for us because it's, that bottle was probably produced by the company that's headquartered there in Neutraubling. You may say, where in the world's Neutraubling? Um, if um, Neutraubling is right next to a historic city called Regensburg, you'll see some pictures in just a moment on our video. 
And Regensburg is an hour north of Munich. And so we're in the southeast part of Germany. And if you're, if you're familiar with Oktoberfest, where that's, that's, that's in Munich area, and we're just straight north of there. And we've been serving there um, uh, since 2010, and the church was started in 2015. We've thoroughly enjoyed being here. We've enjoyed being with uh, Sharon and Blaine Lewis. They've, they've, they took good care of us when we came in. We actually flew in uh, um, this last Wednesday, and so we're a little bit on the jet lag. And, uh, but we've, we've really enjoyed being back into American ways. We miss Germany, there's, but there's certain things that we've missed here in, in the States. We enjoyed the time with Pastor Potter and his family uh, as we ate at TJ's on the Avenue. Great Italian stuff. Oh, this is so good food. And um, then last night we had good pizza and, and pretty much the six months that we're going to be on furlough, I'm probably going to gain a lot of weight from all the food that we're going to eat. But we've really enjoyed being with you all and getting to know you. We have a table back there. We have some prayer cards. I apologize for not having so much. We, we try to get some printed, and um, the, the printing company didn't get it sent to us in time. But um, the church printed some for us, so there is some back there on our table. So pick up our prayer card. It has our contact information. Love to stay in contact with many of you. And if you have any questions about us and our ministry, feel free to come by our table and, and ask those questions there. We have a short video. The video is just mainly talks about our ministry and what we've been doing for the last nine years or so, and um, particularly with the church that we established in 2015. And so I hope this video is a blessing to you, and uh, thank you so much once again for letting us come here. God bless. Each year in southern India, millions of fervent Hindu worshipers endure a dangerous trek up a holy mountain, Sabari Mala, to pay homage to the Hindu... break. 
unfortunately, it's not going to work to show the video tonight. I'm so sorry about that. There's some technical difficulties there. But I, I, I can maybe just off the top of my head just share some things about where we're working, tell you a little bit more about our church, and try to paint a visual picture for you of what we've been doing um, for uh, in Germany. So, like I like I was I said earlier, we 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 were with a church for four and a half years. In 2014, we started Bible studies in Neutraubling, and then in 2015, we, we had our first services in the church. Neutraubling is a small city of about 13,000 people, and it's next to Regensburg, and Regensburg is one of Germany's oldest cities, and it's about 2,000 years old, and so it, um, it's very historic, lots of... Um, very fascinating history with the Romans, and and then during the Middle Ages, it was the capital of the uh, of the Holy Roman Empire for many years. Lots of history in Regensburg, but right next to that is Neutraubling, and that city was established in in the 1950s after World War II. And the city uh, of Neutraubling is 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 very interesting how it's made up because. Um, there was nothing. There was no city there during World War II. There was only just an airfield that was heavily bombed during the war. And after the war, there were many displaced nationalities that were there in the city. And so, um, so what it, what the area became, what that city became, it became a, a, a center of, of 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 many nationalities. And now today, there are 80 different nationalities in a city of 13,000 people. And so for us, when we, when, we are, when we go shopping or we take the kids to school, um, we don't feel like a foreigner. Um, we, there's many different languages that we hear. And so it's, it's very interesting what we just saw with our brother from Canada and uh, going to Canada and the, the, the how international Toronto is. Um, you take, take that and you kind of bring it down to a much smaller scale for Neutraubling. And so there's, in our church, the makeup of the church, we have a small church of about 30 people, but in that we have Romanian, we have Hungarians, we have Russians, we have Germans, of course, Americans, uh, we have a family from Malaysia, um, we've had a, a Indians come, we've we've had we have a, a single woman who 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 is a nurse and she re, uh, relocated and she's from the Philippines, so there's a lot of nationalities in our small little church. And so during church, we, it's all in German. We sing, I preach, we, we testify, we give prayer requests. Everything's in German during the church service. But after church, after church, when it's finished, when we fellowship, then you hear many different languages. And it's a really interesting dynamic. And we're really thankful how God has led us into this interesting, in, interesting culture that we have in our church. Um, we do have a desire to start new churches in, in throughout Germany. So our biggest our biggest prayer is that that we can train somebody to take the church, a German speaking man to take the church. It's still very young, still very new, and uh, just a, a few, you know. So things take time. Things th in Germany um, you can't rush through things. And I love the emphasis here in the church about discipleship and working with people and, and building those relationships and that's exactly what we're doing in in Neutraubling. 
they've 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 uh, the people in the, in the city have gotten to know us pretty well because every year we put on a barbecue festival and we invite the community to come and we give out free barbecue and Germans love anything American and so so they get when they get the free American barbecue it really uh, touches their heart it really connects with them and then then we preach the gospel we have a special guest speaker that come comes and they preach and we have special music and so that's every year. So we've gotten to be known as the barbecue church. So when, when people meet me in the, in the town and they say, they recognize my accent, they say, where are you from? And I'll say, well, I'm from America. And, well, why did you come here? And I'll say, well, I'm a pastor of the Freie Baptisten Gemeinde, or the Free Baptist Church in Neutraubing. Oh, that's the barbecue church. Everybody knows this as the barbecue church. And then also we, 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 we use that idea of, of, of our American culture, of how people are drawn to that, and every year we do a Thanksgiving festival, and we put on a big spread with the turkey and the cranberry sauce shaped like a can, and we do all these, this whole big spread, and, um, but we preach the gospel to them, and we, we, we build those relationships. Germans love to have community. They love to be together in, 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 in having those festivals. And so, yeah, we, we hear the big overblown thing of the Oktoberfest, but Germans love having little tiny festivals throughout the year. And so we use that as a way to reach out and, and build relationships with people. As we've had people come, we've seen people saved and baptized. I wish the video could work because we had a testimony of a man. He's a doctor. He's a cardiologist who, who trusted Christ before he came to our church. But then he, was, he started to grow, and I was able to baptize him. And we've, we've seen how God has been working in the lives of, of people in our church. And so we're, we're excited about what God has for the future of our church. We had to come back because we lost a lot of support, and so our church was a little devastated by that. But we have um, several pastors in the area, uh, in the state of Bavaria, who are helping us. And, and, and so our church is, is having to take, take responsibility while we're gone. So pray for our church if you can. Pray that they can stay united. Pray that, that God continue to bless our church. And then pray that we can raise the support that we need. We'll be here from, for until the 1st of September. And we'll fly back in September so the boys can be in, start the German school there. So pray that we can raise the support and we can get back to the, doing the work that God's called us to do. So. And then like, like we heard after, after the service, if you have any questions, I'll be glad to answer. And I'm going to um, try to put that video on our website. And so if you go to Connection, the number two, Germany.com, so Connection to Germany.com, then, then eventually our, our, our video will be on, on that website there. And you can, you can get to watch that and get to know more about us and our ministry. So. If it's okay, we will email out a link of that website. We'll, when we get that video, we can send that out this coming week to all of you. So we certainly want you all to be able to see that uh, video of their ministry. So uh, just actually what we can do is uh, we'll include a link to this service so that we'll have all three presentations, but a link to that video as well. So just wanted to put your mind at ease. Thanks. Well, good evening. Very much enjoy getting getting to know a lot of you today, and uh, we'll also be with you on Wednesday. Uh, so hopefully we can get to know a few more of you a little better, and then on Saturdays when we'll be moving on to our, our next meeting in West Virginia. Uh, feel, please feel free to pick up one of our uh, prayer cards on the table in the back. 
Um, this uh, picture here was actually taken before we were married. Um, I started deputation in March, and we got married in June. And I had to have a prayer card, and, and why would you want just me on the prayer card for three months? So I went ahead and put us both on the prayer card before we got married, and then we got married. It happened, and now prayer card is accurate. Uh, <laughs> let me explain a little bit. It says I'm teaching in Asia on the front, and on the back it says theology teacher in Asia. Why is it? Why don't I just say India? Well, I have to be very careful about um, about what I'm doing. Um, the Indian government is, is does not look with favor on missionaries and particularly Christians. They're very very Hindu, uh, very radically Hindu, especially the current government with Prime Minister Modi. Um, I'm actually uh, the Indian government does not offer does not grant missionary visas. Um, so I'm, I'm not on a missionary visa, I'm actually on a business visa. And so I have a, a company here in the States called the Academy of Arts in Greenville, South Carolina. It's a Christian drama company. And I'm technically employed by the Academy of Arts. And there's a company in India called El Measure. It's a company that was started by um, the founder of the college P.D. Charing, his son Sam Charing, started a company called El Measure, and so that company is inviting me to India. And so that fulfills all the uh, requirements, the legal requirements for the business visa. And so what I am doing for the Academy of Arts in India is teaching at the Bible College and Seminary. The Indian government doesn't know that part, though, so they don't know exactly what I'm doing. They just know Academy of Arts and El Measure, um, but the specific activities uh, they're not quite aware of. So I have to be careful when I'm going through uh, immigration. I've got to be careful that I go through a larger city where people are more familiar with foreigners and they won't ask you so many questions. The town where we are is the town of Coimbatore. It's way down in the southern part of India. And they do have an international airport, but it's a bad idea <laughs> to do customs in that airport because it's a small airport and the customs officials, I think they get bored, and they see a foreigner coming through, and they think, oh, it's a chance to, chance to have some business. <laughs> and so too many questions. I got detained like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes one time, uh, trying to go through immigration there. So it's a, an experience I, I don't wish to repeat. So I, I stick with large airports and very few questions. Um, so that's, that's why long, long answer to explanation is why India is not on the prayer card. Just remember that that's where we are. If you'd like to get updates on our ministry, there's an email address on the back, athrelfa at gmail.com. So you could just email, email us at that address, and I'll add you to our update list if you are interested in receiving ministry updates. I have a 10-minute video that I'd like to show you that will give you a visual idea of what we're doing and a little better understanding of the ministry there, and then I'll come up with a few more remarks. Each year in southern India, millions of fervent Hindu worshippers endure a dangerous trek up a holy mountain, Sabari Mala, to pay homage to the Hindu god Ayapa. 
In the mid-1990s, a 15-year-old boy named Aji Kumar began the treacherous journey to fulfill the vows his Hindu parents had made to their god. Previously, the tedious worship of multiple gods proved unfulfilling for Aji. He hoped this pilgrimage would change that. According to legend, Ayapa is a protector from evil and a giver of good fortune. In preparation for the trip, Aji fasted. Weak and malnourished, the teenage boy hiked up the 3,000-foot mountain without shoes in accordance with sacred tradition. Aji was tired and afraid. Along the way, he bathed in the Pampa River, which is said to release a person from a lifetime of sins. When he finally reached the 18 stairs leading to the shrine, he was so exhausted that he dropped the sacred articles he was carrying and a policeman had to help him. If you are the true God, Aji prayed to Ayapa, then why didn't you give me the strength? Why didn't you keep the sacred things from falling? For years, his family adhered to the meticulous Hindu traditions. They attended temple services and followed specific worship creeds. They routinely bathed, fed, and garlanded the idols, but they felt no peace. We visited a number of temples and other holy places for deliverance and joy, Aji says, but what we received was only disappointment and hopelessness. Aji and over a billion other Indians follow the practices and teachings of Hinduism. The term Hinduism encompasses a variety of religious beliefs and practices, dating back 300 years before Christ. With no founder, no official creed, and no foundation in historical events, Hinduism is difficult to define. Even the forms of worship vary greatly from state to state and town to town. Many Hindus in India are opposed to any other belief system, and the number of radical and violent Hindus is rising. For many Indians, being a Hindu is synonymous with being an Indian. Those who claim another belief are enemies both to their religion and their nation. This causes tensions with Muslims, Christians, and others. For example, in Tamil Nadu, local priests present an offering outside the gates of a Christian school. Though religious freedom is technically protected by the Constitution, anti-conversion laws and strict immigration laws make India, in effect, a closed country. Nearly one in every five people in the world are Indian. Out of India's 1.3 billion people, 80% of its population claim to be Hindu, 14% claim to be Muslim, and only 2% claim to be Christian. That means there are more than 1 billion Hindus in India, about three times the population of the United States. The need for gospel witness in India is overwhelming. The Lord has called Charlene and me to serve him in India. I was saved around five years old. One night after our evening family devotional time, my parents carefully and clearly explained to me God's plan of salvation. 
That night, I trusted in Christ as my Savior and Lord. I was privileged as a young child to hear the gospel clearly taught. When I was nine years old, I was confronted with my need to accept Christ's work on the cross personally. After talking to my mom, I asked the Lord to save me. The Lord has given me many opportunities to grow spiritually and serve in my home church through evangelistic outreach, music, and youth ministries. After I finished my master's degree at Bob Jones University, I worked at the Wilds Camp in North Carolina for five and a half years as pianist and music secretary. Andrew and I were married in June of 2019. Though I have been able to spend only two weeks in India, I am confident that the Lord has led and prepared me to join Andrew. I hope to have opportunities to mentor and disciple Indian students and also to use my musical training to equip them for church ministry. I have experienced firsthand the work of foreign missions in South Korea, where my parents currently serve with Gospel Fellowship Association. My background as a missionary kid helped me develop my own philosophy of missions and gave me an understanding of the need for missions. The Lord has prepared me to encounter different cultures, languages, and people. I earned my Master of Arts in Bible and Master of Divinity from Bob Jones University. During those years of academic training, I had the opportunity to serve in various capacities at church, school, and summer camp. After completing my master's degree in 2016, I began seeking the Lord's will for future ministry and looking for opportunities to use the education the Lord had given me. The Lord very quickly opened up the possibility of teaching at South India Baptist Bible College and Seminary in the state of Tamil Nadu. For three years, I taught Greek, academic writing, issues in soteriology, thesis writing, Old Testament introduction, and hermeneutics. The students at the college are divided into 20 different discipleship groups of nearly 20 students each. These groups include a mix of students from different academic classes, majors, and languages. Each faculty member or couple meets with their group every weekday for a quiet time, helping the students learn to study God's Word on their own. This is a wonderful opportunity to disciple students in a smaller group setting. I have also been responsible for Sunday school on Sunday mornings. Occasionally, I have opportunities to preach in chapel or in one of the Sunday services. Other ministries at the college include the Evangelistic Cantata, Gospel Outreach Ministry, and Pastors Conference. The college also hosts Worldview Ministries, which runs a Bible translation master's degree program. SIBBC exists to provide training for hundreds of young Indian Christians, equipping them to grow spiritually and to face false teaching and persecution. As the Apostle Paul neared the end of his life, he encouraged his protege Timothy to propagate the gospel ministry. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. 
At SIBBC, we are committing gospel truths to faithful men and women who will spread across all of India to advance Christ's kingdom with the gospel. After finishing my BTS second BTS degree here, I would like to continue my studies. Then after that, I will be in full time, involved in full-time ministry as a missionary to northern part of India. We are privileged to partner with five other American teachers and about 25 Indian teachers. You might ask, if there are so many Indian teachers, why would the school want foreigners to teach? Most Indian education is rote and memory-based, with little emphasis on understanding. Bringing in teachers from different pedagogical backgrounds can improve the academic excellence of the school. Due to the lack of quality resources, much theological training in India is not as thorough and high quality as what we have in the States. It can also be difficult for Indians to support themselves by teaching theology. Having American teachers supported with outside funds helps to focus the school's limited financial resources on lowering tuition and supporting the Indian teachers. We are excited to participate in training hundreds of laborers for the spiritual harvest in India. Please pray with us that the Lord would bless the ministry of SIBBC, strengthening and equipping Indian Christians to reach their own people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to the Joshua Project, 95% of India's population is still unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. India needs more missionaries. It needs more pastors. It needs more Christians willing to spread the gospel. How do you reach 2,500 different people groups? How do you reach people who speak over 700 distinct languages? The way this is accomplished is by training individuals from those people groups, by training individuals who speak those languages. We are multiplying manpower to reach the unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. would be um, English language. Um, everything at the college is done in English um, because uh, this is how it's done all over India in higher education, college, colleges. Everything is done in English just because of the diversity of languages within India. There are over 700 different languages that are spoken in India. Uh, we have 350 students at the college and among our 350 students there's over 50 different mother tongues that are spoken. Uh, so a huge diversity of languages, and so English is the only single language that all of them 
um, can understand. Uh, but that, that is a challenge because uh, English is going to be a second language for every one of them. And so there is a, a wide spectrum of English ability. So we have, do have a need for um, quality English teachers so that to help them with their English so that they can benefit from the theological instruction that they're receiving at the college. Uh, another uh, issue we face is, is the Indian attitude toward ethics. Um, Indian society is known as a high trust deficit society. It means that the people don't have a lot of trust for each other. <laughs> and in the academic setting, um, it displays itself in a lot of cheating and a lot of lying. And unfortunately, even among Christians, um, there, there seems to be um, a lack of a conscience for ethical behavior. So rampant lying, rampant cheating, um, you'll have people taking tests right next to each other and you know, they're just copying each other's answers. If you give them a, an assignment to do, one person in the class will do the assignment and everyone else will copy it. So <laughs> it's a challenge trying to uh, work in that kind of uh, environment and uh, there are many opportunities for mentoring the students and um, working with them, trying to uh, nurture in them a conscience that is, that is sensitive to this kind of behavior. So we need wisdom as we, as we work with that and, and try to deal with that. Of course, Hinduism is um, a big request. 80% of Indians are Hindu. Uh, that's over 1 billion people, uh, almost three times the population of the U.S., and they're all, they're all Hindu. Um, only 2% of Indians would be Christian. So we are completely surrounded by Hindus, um, surrounded by Hindu temples. Uh, they're always, you can hear them blaring their music and beating their drums and uh, doing the worship they do. It's very ubiquitous. Uh, we need wisdom to be able to nurture positive relationships with our Hindu neighbors. Uh, there is, Hinduism is not a peaceful religion. It's, it can be very violent and very extreme. So we need wisdom um, to um, build positive relationships in which we can share the gospel with them and that there would no, be no uh, reason for, for violence or anger toward us as Christians. And then the final request would be student recruitment. Um, there, uh, India is a huge mission field. Um, and there is so much diversity, 700 languages, uh, 2,000 people groups. Um, and many of these people groups have never heard the gospel, absolutely no gospel witness, no translation of the Bible in their tongue. We need students from those people groups, from these unreached language groups, who can receive theological training and go back to their own people and be able to spread the gospel in places that have never heard the gospel. Thank you very much. So thank you very much for, for taking the time to be here. Um, just really, as a church family, I want to thank you for um, presenting your ministries. Thank you for um, including us. I, I am just personally, as I'm uh, going to, as we interact with you all in the uh, lobby, looking forward to how you heard about us, and uh, in particular, uh, just how we can uh, better pray for you. Thank you for, for sharing your ministries, like I said, but, but just each one of you in, in coming here, bring your own set of, of nuances with deputation, and so we just, um, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for, uh, from a Grace Church standpoint, um, really, uh, I would say 
bringing your ministry in such a way that, that we're educated even to do missions more biblically and hearing the emphasis on a local church, hearing the emphasis on disciple making, um, it's, it's refreshing to hear because this is our Jerusalem, this is where God has called us, and you being as excited about what is going on uh, in the lives of, of our people here and the gospel that they're sharing um, is hopefully just as encouraging as you have been to us in you carrying the gospel where you're carrying it. So that being said, why don't we close in prayer? We'll give you all time to spend some time in the lobby with them. Thank you again, Grace Church folks, for, for, for being here this evening. Um, if you did not uh, get the email about the results of the vote this morning, um, uh, if I can announce as much, I mean, it's, it's public. Correct, Pastor Kent? So uh, the, uh, the, uh, the vote to uh, sell the building was uh, passed with 94% uh, approval. So we are thankful for that. We're praying for God's guidance. Um, that is a, a, to say it's a big deal is, is putting it mightily, but we certainly are praying for wisdom as we move forward. Um, you know, I, I told my own Sunday school class this morning, I said sometimes when we pray for God's will, we pray for God's will to be so clear that if this isn't God's will, then please shut the door. Because that makes things like, I mean, very rarely do we get clarity like that. Um, but up to this point, God has um, kept this particular door open as we're moving forward. There are 30 leaders, there are nine elders and 21 deacons who have worked very, very hard to make sure that this is God's will and to do things carefully. Um, we've also uh, made it a point of trying to communicate as effectively as possible uh, what uh, God would have us to do and not just have you come along for the ride, but be very much, especially the members, uh, be very much part of this process. So we thank you for your prayers, but we also continue to ask for them and ask for your ongoing uh, communication and participation in this process. It's a really, really big deal. Uh, I know you know that it is, but um, just to reinforce that and to thank you is, is uh, important. So let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, these uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are going uh, to places that many of us cannot or will not. But God, you have uh, called them, you have directed them, you've used uh, gospel ministers in their lives, some at an early age, some at a later age, to where they have received Christ, and now they are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So God, as they carry the word, I pray that you might protect them physically, provide for them uh, their needs. Lord, we also pray that you might protect them spiritually as well, starting first and foremost within their family. Lord, may their children, uh, especially those who are young, come to know Christ at an early age and uh, enjoy the, the blessings of being born again, but also know the joy of serving Jesus. God, I pray that you might give each family a wisdom insofar as how they disciple their own families and insofar as they're um, maintaining balance between uh, family, domestic needs, and ministry needs. God, would they not um, dishonor you by, by having an imbalance? But God, we pray for them. And as they go forward and as they travel, Lord, please keep them safe. Uh, Lord, we love you. Again, it is a privilege to, to be part of your plan. And why you've chosen us, Lord, we're not certain, but we do know that we desire to give you glory in what we do and how we do it. So it's in this we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for your time here. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you soon.